JJ, before we get started, congratulations. Oh, Today is arguably the best day, the biggest day in the history of this oh, company. Oh my gosh, I know. I'm so excited. If you haven't heard, <laughs> you're not on our email list. Today is the first day we've launched Business Made Simple University. Oh, it's at businessmadesimple.com. It is an online platform that helps you develop your people. Yes. Let's just say, you stink at developing your people. <laughs> and you don't stink because you're not willing. You stink because it's unbelievably hard. And expensive. Yeah, yeah. it's an antiquated <laughs> process. You have to bring in people. It costs thousands of dollars. You have to shut down your organization. Or you get them these online courses. You know, you can monitor whether they're watching them. So they turn them on. They turn the volume down. They answer emails. <laughs> and they don't watch them. Yeah. <laughs> and we fixed all of that. Business Made Simple University. JJ, you are in one of the courses. I am. Yes. I. You and me and Kula do a course together, actually. You, yeah. It's called Marketing Made Simple. Yep. And it teaches you to create a sales funnel. Yes. It, from beginning to end. Yeah. All the way through. It tells you exactly what to say in emails, in lead generators, on your website, everything. Like, it takes it and makes it so simple. I... <laughs> And, yeah. I, I've been and I've been pouring over this information for <laughs> months, getting well, it ready. It feels like years, and it is like the other night. I was seriously, I was on my porch and I was just kind of sitting because we finally got some fall weather here in Nashville. So I was outside on my porch, and I started getting teary about how excited <laughs> I was about this launch. Like, well, I was okay, just, so we if we sell about ten thousand copies, yep. <laughs> you're going to get the business made simple owl tattooed I am on your cool body. And I both. Cool which, I, which personally I'm against. I know. You actually said I'm not going to let you do that. And I so it was like, you're not going to stop me. And Kula and I <laughs> Kula and I are going to get the tattoo. That's how – and when I was explaining it to you, it was – you were kind of like thinking it was the silly little yeah, like, it was a thing. Joke. You're like, you're joking. I'm not going to let you do that. And you're not going to make that bet and lose the bet or whatever. And I explained to you, it has nothing to do with the bet. It has nothing to do with being silly. I am so excited about this. And we've been working so hard on it mm -hmm. that it actually is – like a moment for me. Yeah. And if we hit that and we've actually been able to influence that many people and given them the tools to grow their people, grow themselves and grow their company, I want to mark that moment. <laughs> well, you know, we, we just had a big meeting and we talked about our content schedule and we realized we'd made some mistakes in terms of our content stuff that we figured out in about two months. Yeah. And the reason we figured that out is because we apply development tools to what we're doing. Yep. And knowledge actually just increases productivity, increases efficiency, and gets you a larger return on your investment. Yep. And it's too expensive to develop people. And this is $275. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's $275. <laughs> yes. And it launches today. If you're listening to this Monday the 28th, it launches today. It's four courses. There's Marketing Made Simple. There's uh -huh. the old messaging course that we used to charge $1,500 for. Yeah. It's $275 for all four courses. Well, we used to just call the Story Brand course. Yeah, we used to call the, the Story Brand course. Yep. And then then there is the mission statement course. Yep. And the mission statement course is how to create your mission statement. First of all, there are three components to your mission statement. If you don't have them, nobody cares about your mission statement. Yep. And by the way, none of you have them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then there's the key characteristics, the critical actions you need to take, your story pitch. Uh -huh. That is how do you explain the story of your company to somebody so they care. And then your theme. That is why do you even get out of bed in the morning? And when you have those five components, you invite your team into a story that's very meaningful and you get more engagement. Yeah. They're serving a bigger vision. This course teaches you how to, to do that. And then finally, the Enneagram course with Ian Cron. We've made a significant investment in emotional EQ is yep. what we call it. You know, if you have a culture that is highly productive, but you have people who don't understand each other, you're going to create problems and drama. Yeah. And so we've, right out of the gate, we wanted to say EQ is a major 
deal that you need to cover. Yep. And so we've got the mission statement course, the marketing course, the messaging course, and emotional intelligence. And then we're, we just had a meeting, and we're very excited <laughs> about the five next courses that we're yeah. producing and creating next year, yeah. which are going to cover some amazing topics, yeah. negotiation, proposals. We're going to get into finance and how do you read financial statements. Yep. All that kind Goal of stuff. Goal setting, sales. It, listen, I mean, and what you're not going to get at Business Made Simple University is how to play the banjo. No. And you're not going to get you know <laughs> somebody who learned QuickBooks and some hacks, and they're creating their own video in their garage, yeah. and they're uploading it to the <laughs> platform. These are very, very expensive courses to produce. They're yeah. very beautifully shot. They're designed to be interesting, entertaining, funny, and engaging so that your people learn. Yep. How much better will you be if your people know how to create a marketing framework or a marketing plan? How much better will your people be if they know how to talk about your company in such a way people actually pay attention? Yep. How much more aligned will your team be if they have a mission statement they can actually remember? Yeah. I like to say if your mission statement can't be read by Mel Gibson in the movie Braveheart to, <laughs> to get them excited about going to war, then you don't then have a mission yeah. statement. <laughs> you, have, you have something that they've forgotten. Uh -huh. You have a forgotten mission. Uh-huh, yes. And so this is going to teach you how to do one that's right. It's 275 bucks. If you go to businessmadesimple.com, you can get it today. Until November 7th, it's buy one, gift one free. If you have 20 yeah. people on your staff, you just have to buy 10. Yeah. And I mean, that's an that's a ridiculous deal. Yeah. Go to businessmadesimple.com and get it today. We're excited. We hope you are. But what we're more excited about is the amount of revenue that's going to increase, the efficiency that's going to increase, the productivity that's going to increase, and the alignment that's going to increase, and the emotional intelligence that's going to go through the roof on your team when you have these four courses. It's going to take you until to do all these four courses and have your team do them. By the time we release the next course, you got plenty of homework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so develop exactly. your team. They need it. They love it. They deserve it. They want to be developed. They want you to leave them better than you found them. And they want you to continue educating them and investing them. And this is a cheap, cheap, cheap way to say I love you. But it's not cheap in quality. It's incredible in yeah. quality. Businessmadesimple.com. Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose, noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. Good to see you. Good to see you. J.J., if there's one emotional intelligence tool that we use uh -huh. in the office more than any other, <laughs> yes. it is not the tool where you pretend you're going to slap somebody with your right hand, but then you hit him with your yeah, left. No, that is not the tool. We that... had to stop using that. <laughs> We it know. was not, a, oddly enough, not as effective as people would think, oddly enough. <laughs> Unfortunately, we only use that on each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it is the Enneagram. Yes. Yeah. And you are an Enneagram 2. Yep. And you've heard us talk about it many times. I'm an Enneagram 3. Yep. Okay, I just have to tell you, because this is hilarious, is I had some friends over for wine and cheese the other night, and one of our mutual friends was starting to date somebody else. <laughs> and so I just said, well, tell me about him a little bit, and- she started out by going, well, he's an Enneagram 9. Like, that was the first <laughs> sentence that she used to describe somebody, and we all went, okay. Like, immediately. It fills in a ton of categories. It really did. <laughs> and a lot of people push back on that. I yeah. never push back on it, because it doesn't take away from the uniqueness of every individual, no. but it tells you, like, their underpinning. Yep. The culture that they came from. Yep. It tells you wh whether you're going to step on their toes or not. Yeah. Whether you're going to tick them off or not. It tells you a little bit about what their advantages are yep. and what the disadvantages are. We found it to be an incredibly helpful tool. And for me, it's been an incredibly helpful tool in terms of 
preempting tension in a relationship. Yeah. Let me give you an example. My wife is an Enneagram six. Mm -hmm. They tend to be a little more anxious than the average personality type. Yep. My wife can run through an algorithm of what might go wrong faster than any person yes. on the planet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? So uh -huh. I mean, last night I rode my scooter to work. It started raining and I couldn't ride my scooter home. So uh -huh. I Ubered home. Then Betsy and I went to dinner and I'm like, hey, you know, it's only gonna rain for five more minutes. Drop me off, I'll get the scooter back to the house. Yeah. And I mean the amount of things that she could figure out that could go wrong on a wet road in a scooter were just astronomical. Uh -huh. And, you know, so I was having to be careful of, like, 23 different things. Yeah, which keeps you safe. It, ke well, it does. It keeps which me keeps safe. keeps you safe. If I didn't know that she was an Enneagram 6, yeah. here's how I would perceive that. I don't want you to have any fun. Yeah, controlling. And every, every vision that you have, I'm going to shoot down. Yeah. And I'm doing it because I don't like you. Yeah, yeah. That's literally how I would interpret it. Yep. We've been married six years. I think yep. we've had three or four... Light arguments our entire marriage. Yeah. 95% of it is because we know how each other are wired and yep. we know this person doesn't mean anything by that. They yeah. mean love by that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yep. I've, and now, instead of getting angry, I giggle. And yeah. I'm like, how in the world? How in <laughs> did the world? Figure did you out. Figure out that this road has more trucks on it than yeah, this. Therefore, it would have scooter... dropped oil. And at the rain, this would be slicker than this one. I don't know how you figured that out that I need to go on 12 South instead of 10 South, but you did. Yeah. And, you know, it's just fascinating to me. Great risk assessment employee, uh -huh. by the oh, way, huge. right there. Yep. Well, Ian Cron is the world's leading expert or perceived as the world's leading expert yes. right now on the Enneagram because he's got the book on Amazon that's selling the most copies. Yeah. And he's also got our course, Enneagram Made Simple, which you can yeah. get at Business Made Simple University, we wanted to spend not one, but two interviews with Ian yeah. talking about each Enneagram type. Well, because he started offering, we start talking to him about the different types, because there's nine different types. Right. So he's going through, and he starts talking about it, and there's so much good information. Yep. <laughs> that it's we, so practical. We, we actually couldn't cram it in. We're like, no, we're not editing this down. We want to leave the practicality in for everybody so they can understand how to work with people within their organization who have these types of numbers and personalities. And so we divided it up into two podcasts. And instead of editing it all down, we kept the meat in. Yes. And so this is the best part of those two podcasts because it's one through four, which includes you and you me. me. <laughs> <laughs> and the next one is downhill. I mean, it's fine. Just downhill. They're fine. <laughs> I'm going to tell Betsy you said that since oh, she's no. in the second Sorry, one. Sorry, honey. No. <laughs> uh, but Ian is, is a delightfully loving human being. By the way, I'm on his podcast too, I think, this week. It's yeah. called Typology. Yep. He had me on his podcast. If you go to Typology, download his podcast, it's him interviewing me. Of any interview I've ever done in my lifetime, Yeah, that's the one I'm the most worried about. And it's yeah. out there in public. Oh, I did one too. You, do you oh, know did that? You? Did you know that? I yeah. Was, yeah, he interviewed me a couple months ago. He gets vulnerable. It he is gets you. therapy. <laughs> it's therapy. And he kept like thir three times, he kept coming back saying, I actually think you're wrong. I think you need to reconsider this. And yes. I'm literally like winking, like going, let's move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He's like, it, no, no, we need to I, come back. <laughs> he asked questions that like to this day, I'm sweating when I listen to it. But yes. Well, you know, we recorded him first and then I went on his and I really want him to come back because I'm going to make him sweat. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna return real. the favor. No, I'm kidding. Typology is the name of Ian's podcast. Definitely go listen to that. But until then, these are the pros and cons of each type. So this is type one through four. We're gonna describe them. We're gonna go through the pros and the liabilities because everybody's got liabilities of each type as it matters or is relevant in the workplace. So it's a fantastic conversation. It's a two-parter. Here's the first part of my conversation with Ian Morgan Cron. 
Ian, in your knowledge of the Enneagram, I would imagine you have, and I know you're going to say you don't, but I would imagine you have some kind of superpower in the ability to figure out, not to figure out if somebody's a two or three, but if you already know they're two or three or a nine or eight or seven, there's probably a way that you can interact with that person and win. Last time you were on the podcast, we sat down for coffee a few days before, and you knew, because I was a three, to get to the point quickly. Yes. And we had the most wonderful coffee because, you know, you got to the point quickly. And I imagine that's part of it. But now I'm curious to bring you back on the podcast and say, help us understand how to win with a one. And if we do this with a one, we're going to lose. And how to win with a two. But if you do this with a two, you're going to lose. And I'm not just talking about negotiation. I'm talking about just in relationships, right? I know that my wife is a six. Whenever I want to do something, go on a vacation to this town or whatever, my wife will want to Google it, and it always scares me because she's going to find something to be afraid of if she Googles this thing. I also know that if my wife is worried or anxious about something, because she's a six, to take it seriously, not to dismiss it. That's a really winsome strategy with my wife. Not that I have strategies with my wife, but it's a kindness to her to take her anxiety seriously. And it calms, you know, it helps her calm down when she knows she's not alone in being concerned about these things. We are meeting with people, designers, to help us build a pool at the house. You cannot imagine <laughs> the dangers. I didn't even know there were dangers around a pool that were like, the, the color of the bottom of the pool has to be a certain color in case, you know, a child is swimming on the bottom. We need to know where the child is. Th- those kinds of things which would never occur to me. But if I say, no child is going to get lost on the bottom of the pool, let's, you know, it hurts our marriage. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine, and she's a six, so I would imagine there's something like that for every type. And I want to talk about how can we win and how can we lose unintentionally with each type. And I think you've got some insight. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> let's go in order. We will start with one and go to nine. One is the, I call them the perfectionist. What do you call the one? Oftentimes, they're called the perfectionists. A word that I came up with that I really like is the improvers. That's really more accurate than perfectionist. And actually, if I interact with ones, they can sometimes feel like they're kind of micromanaging you or whatever. It's helped me to understand they are really assuming you want to be perfect, and they are helping you do that. Yes. When I don't want to be perfect, but they're assuming that, and I go, okay, they're not actually being condescending. No. Ones really want to make the world a better, if not a perfect place. They are very ethical. They can be super loyal, but they have standards that they want to reform the world. How do we win with a one? And if we do this with a one, we're going to lose. So as we go through each type, let me give a one sentence explanation of the unconscious motivation that drives each of these types, because that's really going to help you in an umbrella sense of understanding the interior architecture of each of these personality types, right? You said it. These are meticulous, hardworking, reliable, responsible, get it done right the very first time if you ask them to do something. Ones are motivated by a need to perfect themselves, others, and the world. And you're correct. They have probably higher internal standards than any other number on the Enneagram. Yeah. And if they're not very aware, they tend to go on autopilot and try to get the world to conform to those high internal standards, of course, which neither they or anyone else can do. Right. Right? So, I mean, these are remarkable people when they are going through life with really high levels of emotional intelligence, as is true with all the other types. If you want to win with a one... Okay, there are lots of ways to do it, but fundamentally, keep in mind, that's their unconscious motivation. A couple of other things with ones. Always be clear 
about your expectations. They want to know, how can I fulfill responsibly and reliably the expectations of the other person? What does winning look like? You got to let them know what winning looks like. You ought to give them the deadline that you want the material by. Uh, be clear about what you want. And then they're, they're pretty great. I mean, a healthy one, gosh, I mean, they'll, they'll get it done right the first time. You won't have to do multiple drafts. Right, right. You know? Mm -hmm. I think one of the ways that you can lose with a one is cut corners. So, or ask them to cut corners yeah. or just be on a mm -hmm. team with a one and you start cutting corners, they're going right. to go a little haywire. So a three oftentimes will cut corners to cross the goal line. Right. Like, let's just get there. Oh, we have to do what? Uh, well, let's just bend that rule. Right. You know what I mean? To yep. get there or that protocol, let's just skip it, right? That is not good news to a one. Like a one will be like, I don't like it when people bend rules and guidelines and establish policies. I like everything to be ordered and we need to follow the rules because if we're not, that's a commentary on our ethical standards, our work standards. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, nope, we got to stick to the plan. And so that's going to be a lose with a one if you want them to cut corners. It's going to be a lose uh, with a one if you don't keep in mind that they're very, very worried about making mistakes. Hmm. It's catastrophic in their thinking at times, right? And so, again... Making mistakes equals not getting loved or accepted and survival ones in are, a survival way. Yes. Ones are very concerned with goodness in the highest sense I've of noticed, the word. I've noticed, this hadn't happened much, but I've noticed my friends who are ones, whenever they are accused of sort of not being perfect or not being good, which sometimes happens, yeah. it is devastating to them. Yes. So they're very fixated on appropriateness. And being good, you know, ones can sometimes be a little too buttoned up emotionally and in part because they're worried that if they relax and uh, let their hair down a little bit, they may act inappropriately or in a way that doesn't conform with their ideal of what goodness looks like, being yeah. good looks like. So again, you know, if you can understand this stuff, you not only will get the best out of another human being, you're really... Uh, in the context of work or relationships, you're drawing out the best from them. You're not presenting unnecessary obstacles and hurdles to good relationship. Right. Right. And you're eliminating all the, you know, the sort of the, what I call the drag coefficients in the yeah. relationship <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the inefficiencies. Yeah. 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 Just you can get rid of them by just being smart about who different people are. Super helpful to know how one thinks and how we need to interact with them. I love the idea of giving very clear expectations to pausing, especially for a three myself and a visionary sort of strategic leader. My whole thing is we'll figure out how to do it as we go along, but here's where we're going to go. We'll figure out what we're going to do, you know, at step two, step three. But, you know, here's step 10. I don't know two through nine, but we're going to head towards step 10, and that's going to drive a one crazy. Yes, so keep them informed Yeah. of what's going on. So even a small call... Saying, hey, I just want to tell you, I had a meeting. Something shifted a little bit. Some of the expectations may have changed. I want to run this by you. How do you feel about, rather than them finding out in a meeting three days later? Exactly. Would be helpful with a one. Yes. And it would also, remember, ones want to be, they value things like being respectful. Ah, yeah. So, and you might get resistance a little bit, and you're going to maybe need to help them get over it about changes in plans. Hmm. Uh, you know, why are we doing that? It's not following what we established as the uh, right. way we're going to do this. I had this figured out in my head. Yes, <laughs> and, I've, and I've committed myself to it now. And, right. 
Because they're also going to worry that when you change the plans, like, well, now I'm not prepared to do this perfectly. Like, you just changed the plan, and I have to kind of reestablish what perfection or improving in the situation looks like. That just creates unnecessary anxiety for them. Yeah. All right. Two. Type two. Yeah. Two. The are, nurturer. Yeah. The, the nurturer, sometimes called the helper or yeah, the, help. the giver. Let's just talk about the unconscious motivation of the two, because we always want to keep that in mind. Twos are motivated by a need to be needed and loved and appreciated. Okay. And we all have that to some degree, but twos, yes. it's really there. Well, we all have, I would say, all nine of these motivations yeah, working yeah, yeah. inside of each of us. It's just that with each type, one tends to be dominant. It stands out among the other eight, right, as being their thing. It's their default mode. With twos, you always have to remember that they are the most interpersonal number on the Enneagram. They wake up thinking about relationships. They go to bed at night thinking about relationships. Life is all about seeing through the lens of the relational sphere. Right. right? So if you want to win with a two, for example, if you're working with a two, you got to put them in a place where there's a lot of foot traffic. (laughs) They will die on the vine unless... They're leaning into their superpower, which is attunement to other people's feelings. And being able to, you know, empathize and be present to other people and meet their needs. By the way, like in a business setting, they are, you know, one of the most image conscious numbers on the Enneagram. And so in a business setting, I mean, you want them to be the first person people meet when they come in the door. Yeah. Because nobody will make you shine. This is why they're great in HR. They can hire the best people. Because they will say, why should I even have to ask you? This is going to be the best place ever. And they yeah. really put a great face on organizations. Right. Fantastic people that way. They're also just great. Uh, on our staff, I'm surrounded by twos at StoryBrand. And I noticed really quickly, we were celebrating everybody's birthday. So I was like, hey, you know, we're going to have a lot of people on staff here. When we get to 200, that's 200. But we're shutting down the office 200 times. And the response to that was, okay, well, let's also celebrate their work anniversary. So we doubled right. it. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is unfreaking believable. This is not sustainable. But we have this incredible workplace culture that everybody really loves. Yeah, and you can feel it, by the way, because I've been in your offices and your cult around your folks quite a bit. You can feel that energy. And I think that's one thing leaders have to understand. Every culture, I think, has a type, a dominant type. And when you walk in, you feel it. And you'll feel if it's a healthy version of that type or an we unhealthy version. We did the IQ9 test for our organization. Yep. You have an, an assessment that's the best on the planet. And you can do it as an individual, but you, you can also do it for your organization. We did it as an organization. And our type was... Two. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. The twos are winning. The twos are winning. And you can, <laughs> you know, you can feel it when you, you come in the door. You, know? yeah. you feel safe. You feel valued. Tim comes up to you with a huge smile on his face. He's excited to see you. He's uh, beaming. JJ's the same way. I mean, that's a great way to walk into an organization. Right. You came once, and then a year later, we sent you a flowers for the anniversary of you coming to our door. <laughs> hey, but by the way, <laughs> but do you see, by the way, how that compliments you as a three? Like, I oh my gosh, it saves, it saves, yeah. Yeah, I oftentimes tell threes, you know, you do have to stop every now to celebrate the successes and not move on to the next thing too Well, you also have to staff your liabilities, and your type Mm -hmm. is going to have some liabilities. So for you to surround yourself, to be very driven, very visionary, very strategic, all that matters is getting the ball in the end zone, that person needs to be surrounded by twos, or they're going to burn a lot of bridges without them knowing they're doing it. They're going to burn people out without them knowing they're they're doing it. So... Twos are critical in our organization. Where in another organization, they may not be critical, but because the leader's a three, 
with a four wing, not even a two wing, that became important for us. So it's really important to know who your people are and how they function. I'm curious, how do we win with a two? If you consistently do this with a two, you're going to make them feel great. You're going to help them become better people. You cannot say enough the following phrase, I see you and I so appreciate you. Twos need a... Tim's over there nodding his head. Well, you need a continual (laughs) supply. Tim, I see you nodding your head. Yeah, man. And I appreciate the way you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you don't, as a three, you don't need that as much. You would actually... It's like, okay, go. Yeah, move on. Let's go. Right. But you too have a need, which would be, and we can get to this when we hit threes in a second, which is you need to hear, I admire you. Yeah, you know what? That does feel good. I think even more than that, I see you as successful or you're somebody who wins, but that's a form of admiration. Yeah. And you don't necessarily need to hear it, though. You'll pick it up. In somebody, right. you don't need someone to say, "Oh, Don, I admire you," and that's great. But you can see it as a three in body posture, in their eyes, in the way they might defer to you at other times, your expertise. Yeah, all of that signals to you that you are admired, and that gives you energy. When I think about that, and I feel what it feels like, it feels good. It helps me to go, "Okay, what would a person be like if they felt that when they were connecting deeply with somebody?" That's a two, right? Mm-hmm. Or when they were creating a perfect system that improved the world and reformed somebody, that's a one. You know, so I think we all think, boy, it's really weird. That's a, a one is weird. A two is weird. A seven is weird. Then you get to your own, you're like, oh, okay, well, everything suddenly makes sense. It's yes. just, you know. Biggest problem I oftentimes see with leaders in business is the assumption that your way of seeing the world is normal. Right. That's a big mistake. And if you project that onto others, you're not motivating mm. all eight other kinds of people. Or in your marriage. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, like, why do you want to make me you? Yeah. Uh, Why can't you value and see what I bring to the table and bake into your calculations that difference is good? (laughs) Difference is good, right? Twos, you win by saying, I see you, I appreciate you. Of many things. I think that's a big one. It's one of them. You lose with a two. You can hurt them or hurt the relationship if you do what? If you try to give critical feedback to a two... You have to do it far more carefully than you would with a three or a Uh, seven or an eight. They take criticism. Do they take criticism harder than a one? I always thought ones would take criticism hardest. It's different. You can be critical of a one, giving good feedback to a one, as long as you do it in a private setting. Never criticize a one in public. Hmm. Because what they may do is deflect responsibility. Because they certainly don't want to be viewed in public as a person who made a mistake or didn't do a good job. So you may, an unhealthy one, if you said, hey, you know, uh, why wasn't this report on my desk this morning at 8 o'clock when I asked for it? And you're looking at the one, the one may say, I didn't do that, Bob did it. Right. So you'll get a deflection sometimes with the one. They, They don't want to own the mistake, particularly in public. If you set a time with them and say, I wouldn't want to talk to you about that that report, can you see me this morning at 10 o'clock in my office? They'll come. You can tell them the news, and they'll receive it if you do it respectfully, honoring their fundamental desire to do it right, yeah. even if they miss the mark. With a two, it's personal. The relationship feels threatened to them. Hmm. And when they feel a relationship is experiencing some kind of disturbance or rupture, they get very anxious and worried And so when you do a performance review or you're in a friendship with them and you have to bring something, 
you just have to titrate the energy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, just dial it back appropriately, realizing that. Do you affirm the you know, relationship in the midst of that criticism? Do you say, totally, man, you got to know I love you or, you know, our friendship is really great. Don't worry about that. However, you know. You know, it's like the pot, whatever. I can't remember what the name of the sandwich is. You know, you, yeah. you give positive feedback. That's right. Uh, not negative feedback, but, you know, critical feedback. And then followed by positive feedback. That's right. You got to sandwich it in there so that when they leave your These office... These are good techniques they, for every type. I mean, it's great for... It's necessary for twos, but... Yeah. Just you just have to lean type. into it with certain types more than others. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay, Three. Well, these are the best numbers on the internet, right? (laughs) (laughs) So threes are motivated by a need to succeed, to appear successful, and to avoid failure at all costs. Yeah. At all costs. Much agreed. Right. And so you keep that in mind with threes all the time. So did I ever tell you this story about when I was in a company and after I left doing a a day-long seminar with them that they all put their Enneagrams on their numbers? About Uh, 300 people. Yeah. They put their Enneagram number on their door, right? Totally. So yeah. that, and then a lot of them had some coffee mugs that we sell with their numbers on it. Yeah. And their, the name of their type, in part because it's like until you can get this on board online in your head, these different types, your default's going to be to treat them the way that you would want to be treated. But that's not your number. So just to remember, oh, wait a minute, that underlying unconscious motivation different than mine. When I go in this office or when I have this interaction with this spouse or whatever it may be or this child, I have to keep in mind that this is in the operating system. It's deeply embedded, this motivation, and I have to make sure I honor it and keep it in mind if I want to keep this communication thing going well. So how do you win with a three? I'd say, number one, you have to have clear expectations of what the win looks like. So in other words, give them a goal, right? Here's the goal. you got to sell this many units by, you know, December 31st, tell them what that is, and then incentivize them with promotions, bonuses, uh, because they just love to know I killed it. And in fact, I exceeded expectations. And you know, also with threes, to publicly acknowledge the win. Mm, yeah. You know, without you know, being smarmy about it, but I mean, just, just make it clear. He won, she won, because the three member is looking around thinking... I want to be admired by the people I work with or the people I live with, right? I think that's a great way to win with threes. Um, and, and how do you lose with them? As a three, it's hard for me to answer that. I really, I don't know. Be unclear about what the win is. Hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they all get a little depressed if they don't you know. You know, I, I find that. I find that even in conversations, I think of it as being profit-oriented, where even having coffee with somebody, my mind is trying to figure out what we're trying to accomplish and whether or not we accomplished it. Yes. And if it's just to get to know each other, I'm lost. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't understand that. Right. And actually, I think it was a gentleman from uh, Covey's organization who said to me recently, he said, Don, in relationships, fast is slow. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most helpful things anybody's ever said to me. Because he helped me realize, no, to win, you have to slow down and talk about unprofitable things for long periods of time. And that has been one of the most helpful things anybody's ever said to me. Because now I'll be in these conversations and I go, oh, good, we're actually going somewhere while we walk around in a circle. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I get it. Yes. That makes sense. So we're okay. building something. But I needed a goal. Yes. I needed a, here's the profit of this right. activity. So you've got a number of twos on your staff. Yep. If you jump right to the task and don't, again, forget to say, how was your weekend? How was this or whatever? Yep. How are things going? Yeah. I see you. 
And when they start to say things like, you know, I feel, don't roll your eyes and say, I'm a little less concerned about your feelings than I am about what we have to do today. Yeah. You know, you could just spend a little time honoring that and the rest of that day is going to go a lot faster and better and you'll get a whole lot more done if you waste your time in your mind honoring the difference that these twos have. They'll be on board. They'll get all energized by your acknowledging who they are. And that's not manipulation, I don't think. Yeah. I think it's just like, I got a job to do. You know, that's we're in business. We got jobs to do. So let's not ignore that. We're not doing therapy 24-7 in here. Right. But just creating an environment where people are at their best because you are relating to them with emotional intelligence and wisdom. Mm-hmm. You're able to act, think, and feel, to regulate, monitor and regulate the way you act, think, and feel in the moment all day long with people, knowing what their motivations are, uh, what makes them win, what makes them lose. You may think to yourself, I don't have time to do all this. It's a huge mistake. It seems critical to, in your organization, understand the Enneagram. And I even like this idea of, for a season, maybe not forever, putting that number on the every desk, every door with this dominant motivation, even just to teach your team we're all different. Don't project your identity or way of seeing the world onto somebody else. Don't assume. It seems really critical. I'm going to give you a statement that's going to sound over the top, but okay. I, I mean it sincerely. Yeah. If a company or a group of people gives me eight hours with them, I can help them move five years down the road in terms of creating a team where there's less conflict, there's better communication, they understand each other, they value each other, they're given a vernacular to talk about how they're made. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Think about it. It can take people years to understand another person and even then only have fragmentary sort of ideas about what the inside world of that person is I think it's like. more than five years. I think you're understating it. I don't think they ever get there without some sort of tool like yes. this. Yeah. My guesses are always wrong. Sure. One of the things the Enneagram did for me, helping understanding the Enneagram, was help me understand not only that I'm usually wrong, I'm impugning people's motives. Yes. When you understand, you go, oh, they didn't mean anything by that at all. <laughs> so I have a friend <laughs> They weren't of, trying to be offensive or, you know. I said this to a CEO of a company not long ago. He was, uh, had made a movie in his head about an interaction he'd had with somebody, and he was mm. spinning out stories about the interaction. And I looked at him, I said, you need to give up the old idea that you know what just happened. Oh, that's a really good thing. Yeah. And I think we all need to sit back and interrogate our assumptions that, oh, I know what happened in that interaction. I know what ju- you know just went down. It's like, hmm, you may want to just the, step back from that. The mind wants clarity, and so it'll create a fictional story to give it clarity. Oh, absolutely. Now it just has deception. So you change fog for deception, right. thinking it was clarity, and totally. that just dramatically is going absolutely. to affect things. All right, Enneagram 4. Yeah. You would argue, and I might too, the best. <laughs> Certainly, you know, we have, there's a lot of art and thought that we've experienced because of the mind of the four. Yeah, and just in the organizational world, and again, I think one of the stereotypes, we have stereotypes for every type. Yeah. Very unhelpful. That the four can't work in an organizational setting, and they can't be good leaders. Nonsense. Hmm. I know great four leaders. And I, you, know, you are a great four leader, I would say. Thank you. I would also say that... Of course, that you have a three-wing. I have a very strong three-wing. <laughs> I do. I, I went through a long season of thinking I was a three, and it wasn't until I read some Enneagram literature that really helped me nail it down as yep. a four. I don't have any doubt about it now. But four is, I can tell you right now, it could be every bit as ambitious as a three. 
hmm. for different reasons, but they can definitely be ambitious, driven, visionary, charismatic, but you know they come with their liabilities and their assets. So the four's fundamental underlying assumption uh, motivation is a need to be special and unique Mm-hmm. To make up, I think, for what they perceive as a fundamental deficiency in their makeup, right? They can't name it. They just have a sense of it. Something's not right about me. Yeah. So you, you sort of have a little bit of the outsider looking in dynamic. Right, right. Uh, nose pressed against the glass. There's something different about me. And some days they'll be like grandiose in a way because they'll be like, there's something special about me. And other days they'll be devaluing themselves uh, yeah. about the difference, <laughs> you know, the feeling of being an outsider. If you want to win with a four in an organizational setting or anywhere, really, Make sure that you're always communicating to them how much you value their unique insight and that you see it. Again, fours kind of, think, go through life with the sense that nobody really sees me. Hmm. Nobody can understand, including me, (laughs) my inner depths, you know, because they are pretty bottomless for the four. So to say to them, your imagination is incredible, because it is. Like, they just, it's crazy how creative and imaginative they are. Another way to, to help a four win is um, to help them not over-rely on their emotional world, but to also use critical thinking to balance it out. You to know? go to one. When fours are totally. healthy, they go to one. Yeah. So, so they to need become a little thinking. bit more linear in their mm-hmm. thinking to sort of relegate, if you will, or regulate. Right. So like threes, ones can put feelings aside, not as deftly as a three can do it, but they can in order to get the job done responsibly on time in a way that's really good, that conforms to those high internal standards. Ones are pragmatists in some ways. Uh, Threes are as well. Fours are idealists. I meet fours all the time who are like, I thought I was a one because I thought I had that inner critical voice. Well, they do, but for a different reason. It's because they're idealists. Ones see mistakes in the environment or in a plan or whatever. Fours see what's missing. Hmm. And it's a nuanced difference. This is why sometimes a not very self-aware four can kind of go through life perpetually disappointed. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Things don't live up to the ideal, right? Yeah. In a way. But ones would say, this doesn't conform to my standards. And those are two very, very different things. So... Um, I you think, are special, you are unique, I love your imagination, These, this is food yeah. for a four. And so this is another way to win with a four. You don't have to agree with what a four brings to the table, right? If they have an idea, you're in a planning session, yeah? the four brings an idea. You don't have to agree with them or incorporate it into the plan, but you better say to them, I understood your idea. I heard it and I understood it. We're not going to execute on it or integrate it into what we're going to do, but I want you to know, I thought it was imaginative. I appreciated the angle, mm-hmm. which was different than everybody else's at the table. Yeah. Because if they feel misunderstood, it's not going to not gonna go yeah, great yeah, yeah. for you. Another way, if you want to help a four lose, <laughs> is compare them to somebody else, because it'll activate envy in them huh. in a way that will be very unhealthy. Um, so if you said to a four, why can't you write copy like John or Betty? You know what I mean? The four will not write better copy. They'll spend the whole day looking at John or Betty, feeling envious and bitter. 
Tune in next week, and we are going to cover uh, personality types 5 through 9. And don't forget, today is the first day, Monday, October 28th, that Business Made Simple University is available. Go to businessmadesimple.com and get it today. It is $275, and until November 7th, it's buy one, gift one free. If you have 50 people on your staff, you only have to pay for 25. Yes, it's that good of a deal. Businessmadesimple.com. Thank you for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. 